listener. Hi and welcome back to Broadsheet Sydney Around Town. I'm Emma Joyce, Broadsheet's Features Editor, and I host this brief guide to Sydney. Today we're talking about a tiny distillery that's operating like a speakeasy. It's run by a Kansas native who's mixing killer cocktails like spicy peach margaritas, all while bottling traditional American spirits. Before that, we're chatting to chef Brendan King, who's just opened a late-night eatery called Daryl's. It's the casual Indian diner we didn't know we needed in Camperdown. Brendan tells us about the backstory behind the Kitsch eatery and what inspired his move to Indian food. A former kebab shop on Parramatta Road has an enticing new look about it. It's got these plastic curtains at the entrance and there's a sign that reads Nana Never Cooked. It's next door to the Lady Hampshire pub and its owners have turned the space into a late night Indian diner. Chef Brendan King joins us today to share the backstory to this new place. It's called Daryl's and the snacks that you want to order there have a real personal family connection. So first of all, why did you call it Daryl's? I called it Daryl's after my grandfather, so my mum's dad. So they called him Tommy, but his actual name was Daryl, which I only found out maybe like three years ago. I was like, that's weird. Why, is he, why do we call him Tommy? But I think that was just the name that he was given while working. Um, and basically he was known for always cooking like big meals for family gatherings. I have like 20, 30 cousins in between that bracket. I don't really keep count anymore. Um, and every like Christmas, Easter, any family events, birthdays, we'd all gather and grandpa would always cook, you know, pork vindaloo and tandoori wings were his specialties. Um, and he'd always, it would always come in like this big stainless steel pot wrapped in this old worn out turmeric stained tea towel. Um, and that was it. And it was, he'd rock up, he'd walk in through the front door, he'd put it down on the stove and he'd turn it on. And then everyone throughout the family would bring their own dish and, I kind of was like, well, it's in some ways, I think the assumption is that grandma is the one that always cooks. And I was like, well, why don't we play into the fact that Daryl was the big cooker in the family? Um, And that kind of was the inspiration for it. Did you have a favorite dish of his when you were growing up? Um, Probably I was a really, really fussy eater and I always kind of would eat peanut butter and toast and like Nutri-Grain at night. Obviously that's a problem in an ethnic family. And they were like, well, why doesn't he he eat? Why doesn't he want to eat anything? So the only thing I would eat was tandoori wings my grandpa used to make, which were like wrapped in foil. Always mum would pick me up from school and they'd always be in her handbag after seeing them. And that was a big thing that I loved. So this Indian diner, this casual eatery, you can eat in, you can take away. It's open late enough that if you're at a gig next door that you can grab something and eat it on the street if that's what you want to do. Why... Did you choose to go Indian for this particular cooking? Well, I think um, there was plans when we first kind of moved into the space at Lady. There was plans to do like a late night burger shop, working with burgers quite a lot of the time, like for example, at Fish Market um, and Fish Shop as well. I was kind of like, oh, I want to try something different. And I had seen like the success of like Indian Home Diner in Paddington and I had seen the success of like Indian cuisine currently in Sydney And I was like, well, I feel like I have a story to tell being Anglo-Indian and no one, everyone looks at me and goes, he's not Indian. Like growing up in school, it was always a thing. And I was like, well, why don't we do some sort of Indian vibe in there? Like with that kind of British calf kind of situation. Cause I think that was kind of getting a lot of attention. You look at places like Norman's Cafe in London and 
all these really cool, very minimal spaces that offer like such a unique offering that is just particular to that spot. And I wanted to do that, but in Camperdown, I was like, why not? We've got the space, we've got the three walls, like it doesn't take much, we can do it. So that was kind of it. Definitely, why not? And mm. you're really leaning into this sort of Anglo-Indian, Australian thing going on. There's a Roy Keane jersey mm. that's framed on the wall. Yeah. I think a Manchester United one. There are these marigold garlands just by the kitchen. You've got women's weekly magazines with the menu printed on. Yeah. So you've kind of gone into this sort of, it's vintage, it's kitsch, but it's, it's not excessive by any means. Mm. It's, it's fun and playful. The tiles and everything in the build, like in that space, has kind of meaning and character. So you've worked in the kitchens at Baba's Place. Yes. And also at Fish Market and Fish Shop with Joel Bennett's. Mm -hmm. Have you taken anything from working with those people into what you're doing now? I jumped in the kitchen when I was 17 while studying a radio degree at Afters and kind of like looking for just kind of like casual work. I didn't want to be in retail, like talking to people too much and like doing that kind of stuff. So I looked at, okay, what, what can I do? And I reached out to Joel, who was a family friend like of my brother. And I said, hey, like, can I come in and just wash some dishes? He goes, yeah, cool, you start tomorrow. And I was like, sweet, jumped in the kitchen. And he kind of has kind of carried me throughout my career to this point. And we're, we're roommates now. And I think from him, uh, the biggest thing I've learned is like work ethic. And like, he's an incredible hard worker, it's always on. Like, I mean, he's vacuuming the house at 9.30 at night on a Monday night and he's scrubbing everything clean like he's a very hard worker and I learned so much about that and organization and just kind of the flow of he'd put a special on every day at fish shop and that was incredible because we got to see how his mind worked and how he like put it in together and it was on Instagram and then 200 people outside waiting to try it and that was really cool and then above us I got to see the kind of more um creative like kind of backstory of a restaurant and to see how like characters and figures and culture and where you grow up has a big like part in how you identify a restaurant and that was really cool. Let's talk about where you grew up. Yes. And the elements <laughs> that you've brought in. So you told me just before we yeah. hit record that you grew up in Kempsey or in yeah. that area. Yeah. So I grew up in Croydon Park actually, sorry. Because <laughs> my brother will be upset with me if I say Kempsey. <laughs> Kempsey. I don't know why. Um, I grew up in Croydon Park. My mum's from Western Sydney, my dad. Well, my mum's from India, but she moved here when she was 4, but grew up in Western Sydney and then my dad from Ireland, moved here when he was like 26. But yeah, all the, in my area in Croydon Park, there's so many good food options and like you got Bay in Burwood, which is epic. There's so many good places in Burwood, um, Croydon Park, Anar Chicken up the road. And then of course, McDonald's, which every chef loves. Me and Joel do love a quarter pounder late at night. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of sense a little bit of that within, um, within Joel's cooking and the, and the burgers that he shares. Mm. Obviously he makes Far better versions, far healthier versions <laughs> or, as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if he'd say that. Quarter pounder still, you know. <laughs> we should talk about what's on the menu at Daryl's. So I went in and had a vegan plate. And as part of that, there was like a chickpea curry and rice on the side. There was obviously like a chutney and mint yogurt as well. Mm. What are the star dishes for you? The star dishes for me would definitely be the tandoori wings, just because I had that a lot growing up, and the pork vindaloo. I think the assumption is that at every Indian restaurant there is butter chicken. So I kind of feel like, I guess I feel pressured to do it at the moment. We'll see what happens down the track. But it's something that is obviously very popular and we've sold out pretty much every night this week. Are any of them family recipes? Um, so the pork vindaloo 
is kind of the recipe that was given to me is very vague. There's not really quantities or like there's vindaloo paste and it's like, well, I know you made your own vindaloo, vindaloo paste, but where's the recipe for that? So just kind of figured it out along the process. You've also got things like a chip butty, mm. which you can have with curry sauce. What are the things that if I was rolling out of the pub late at night, what are those items that you might want to grab and go? Definitely the chip putty for sure. It's, um, I guess, kind of something I had growing up, like from fish and chip shops, you'd get your chips like, they were always a little bit soggy or whatever, like butter the bread, put that in um, with the butter chicken sauce. Definitely something for late night snacks. The cutty rolls as well. That's a huge thing. We had that in India, Joel and I, when we went. Um, and that was just unbelievable. We had like three or four a night. And that's something that I guess is an Indian kebab to an extent, um, but different. And that's something that I kind of really want people to start like trying and like giving it a go because it is just like the perfect little roll. I didn't try any drinks, but I should have. There's yep. definitely one called a thumbs up spider. Mm. So What's involved with that <laughs> one? Growing up, I think whenever I would go to my nana and grandpa's house, my nana would always like, oh, come around for a spider. And I, it was like, it was literally just like, you know, blue ribbon ice cream in a plastic cup with Fanta or Coke poured on top of it. And once I went to India and had all the soft drinks, I was like, wow, thumbs up is so much better than Coke. Like, this is crazy. It's so much sweeter. And I was like, well, I want to do a thumbs up spider. Um, and but currently at the moment, thumbs up is quite hard to find. So sourcing it as we, as we speak. Can you drink booze at Daryl's? You can. It's BYO, which is awesome at the moment. Absolutely awesome because it's opposite a bottle shop. Yes. Yeah, totally. It's, um, I mean, there's not many spots you can get BYO. I think most of them are probably in like Chinatown or like in suburban areas. And it's, um, it's cool to be able to have that space where people come in. And I think on Sunday, there was a group of people came in and they brought a whole bottle of gin and two bottles of Jacob's Creek and just sat there for like six hours. And I was like, this is awesome. I love it. You're also the head chef next door. Mm. So you're splitting your time across those two venues. Busy person. What's <laughs> yes. on the menu at the Lady Hampshire that um, we should know about? Simple like pub food. And it kind of, I guess, came from my experience of eating at pubs and having somewhat bad experiences, as in for like you'd have a pre-crumbed maybe frozen schnitzel that would come into the pub and like coming from restaurant experience for the first time I've worked at a pub. So to see how other pubs operate and then coming in and seeing that like, well, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it the way that I've learned. And it's kind of just been like simple, classic, honest pub food at like affordable prices um, just so that everyone can enjoy it. And like, I'm not doing too much. I'm pulling back on what some people do. Like sometimes you go to a pub and it's like crazy nachos. And I'm like, well, I just want to keep it classic, somewhat Aussie British influence. Um, and I feel like the pub kind of speaks to more my Irish side. Daryl's is obviously my Indian side. And you're bringing the two together somehow. Yeah, well, it's in the same kitchen. So it's um, pretty challenging at the moment. Definitely figuring it out. But I think this week already feels way better. I love the vibe you're bringing to Camperdown. Mm -hmm. If you want to find Daryl's, it's at 89 Parramatta Road next to the Lady Hampshire. And it's open from 5pm Wednesday to Sunday. Thanks so much for coming in, Brendan. Thanks so much. Sydney's gin-making scene continues to grow and many of its distilleries are packed into a pocket of the inner west, near a bunch of small batch breweries as well. But there's one distillery that Broadsheet Directory Editor Dan Cunningham says we've overlooked. It's a micro-distillery and it's possibly the best, or at least in Dan's opinion, 
you wrote a feature on this micro distillery and the headline for it is Crooked Tune is the best Inner West distillery you've never heard of. Here's why. You're right. I haven't heard of it. Why haven't I heard of it yet? The big thing there is that it, it is so bloody small. Like it is so small. And, you know, if you're looking for it, it is in the precinct 75 building in St. Peter's, which is, I guess, Willie the Boatman is kind of maybe the big draw card there. And then also the um, sample coffee roastery is there. So, yeah, so there's this little kind of hub of businesses there and Cookatune is one of them, but it is run by a single man. It's a one-man show, classic one-man show. Aaron Anderson. He sounds like a cowboy. Yeah, this guy's a, a Kansas native and... Uh, Basically, he's, he's like the definition of a renaissance man. Not only is he, you know, running the distillery himself, he's a self-taught distiller. So, he was saying that, you know, a lot of um, distillers come up the way that brewers do where they kind of like, you know, they get a, you know, apprenticeships and stuff at like, you know, breweries, distilleries. And they kind of learn that way and they kind of go through that schooling. Um, he said he tried. He said he was really keen to do it that way and just kind of, just did, couldn't really crack into the industry. So he was just like, you know what, I'm just going to... DIY. DIY it, yeah. And he also has a background in, in art. He's an artist himself. And he runs a gallery in Zetland four days a week. And then sort of on the weekends, he's like in there distilling this amazing small batch booze. And, um, and he built the stills himself as well because he's got that sort of sculpting art background. So he's kind of just doing all this stuff and... And he basically said to me that because he's doing so much, you know, he doesn't have time to kind of exactly. tell people exactly that he's doing yeah, it exactly. or why they should come in. But yeah, cocktails are just, you know, kind of next level, really. Uh, he's, he's making a range of things there and they're all being showcased in, you know, this cocktail menu that, um, that yeah. Can we talk about what he's distilling, like what the spirit is that he's yeah, creating? Yeah, for sure. So basically he's making uh, what is probably best known in Australia as moonshine. So that kind of real... Sounds illegal. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> exactly. It sounds illegal. Um, but um, it's called, uh, traditionally in, in the States, it's called corn liquor. Not as sexy? No. It's not, but there's a reason why he has to call it corn liquor, which is because there are very strict rules around how certain spirits are classified um, in Australia. And in, in the States, he could technically call some of his stuff you know, bourbon, but in Australia, there are, there are rules around you know, the, like how long a spirit needs to be aged for. I think it's about two years before you can call it bourbon uh, or whiskey, sorry. So he'll be able to call his stuff whiskey next year, I think he was saying, like pretty, pretty soon. For now, it's moonshine, um, and he basically makes that with corn and like sort of premium malts, and um, yeah, and then that's the base for kind of his whole range. He also makes a, a gin using that, essentially infusing that with you know botanicals, and then a few kind of fruited sort of options as well. You've said he's making about twenty-five different cocktails, which is quite a long list, I'd say, for him just doing everything himself yeah and specials too what would you try i think you should definitely try the spicy peach cobbler margarita very fun and then i think this is probably a great place to try one of the classic kind of whiskey based cocktails um and he makes a sazerac which is kind of like it's one of the kind of stiff cocktails i think if you have a few of those you're probably going to be on your ass but 
it's a bourbon and absinthe kind of combo and he makes an absinthe there as well. So it's like the two house-made spirits together. This uh, man doesn't sleep. I don't think so. He he basically said he works something like six and a half days, which, you know, I couldn't possibly. But yeah, he, he loves it. It's This is definitely like his, his uh, passion sort of project. And he told me that he kind of got into the world of distilling by sort of reconnecting with his uh, roots a little bit, learning the banjo. He's a musician as well to add, to, you know, to add a feather into his, his cowboy hat or whatever. Yeah, so he was learning the banjo and then he sort of realized that a lot of the sort of traditional, you know, songs from like the Appalachian states were about making moonshine, which is how he, you know, got into it. And, um, and yeah, and he does, uh, he does gigs there as well. He does sort of these, these live kind of hoedown style gigs and it's kind of, yeah, it's just he's kind of crammed all of his interests into this bunker, <laughs> literally this bunker. I really want to check out this bunker and just have a conversation with him. He sounds like a super interesting guy. Honestly, he's he's one of the friendliest people I've ever interviewed for this job. So he's he's a cool dude. Well, Crooked Tune Distillery can be found at 28 Mary Street in St. Peter's. And that's all we have time for today. Of course, you can stay up to date with what's happening around Sydney at broadsheet.com.au and at broadsheet underscore Sid on Instagram. A listener production.